Gone are the taboo days of pot. As cannabis becomes increasingly celebrated, understood, and legal, it's still a long way from eradicating the stigmas created from years of misinformation. We're investigating facts, cutting through fiction, exploring medical solutions, and sharing the stories of the people making it all possible on the Cultured Cannabis Podcast. How you guys doing? I'm Tony Arce, and this is the Cultured Cannabis Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Lori Parfit of LKP Impact Consulting. Lori, I appreciate you being here. Thank you so much for having me. No, it's our pleasure, and especially talking about cannabis. That's a, a topic I like to talk about. It's definitely my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, it's such a new industry, right? It's uh, Everything is just kind of new to everybody, regardless of, uh, of your connection to, to cannabis. But tell me about what LKP does. So LKP Impact Consulting uh, really focuses on providing commercial strategy and execution to cannabis and consumer products companies. So we help from everything from end to end. So whether it's marketing, sales strategy, operations, finance, IT, we can handle any um, aspect of your business. And we not only help on the strategy, we, we work with you on the execution side as well. So we don't just come up with a strategy and leave it there. We actually um, implement it so it's done the right way and you see actual results. That's amazing. No, I'm assuming that this all came uh, very recently, informed very recently as a result of the legalization of cannabis here in Illinois. Um, yes, partially, okay. but mainly because, you know, I decided I'd worked for corporate America for my entire career. I always believed that W-2 income was incredibly important. Uh, having you know, been raised by parents mm -hmm. who had 30-year careers, um, they always felt that you needed to have a job. And so I always had that impression as well. And then one day, um, I woke up and realized that I just wasn't happy in that world anymore. And I really wanted, to, instead of taking all of my talent and time and energy to make other companies really successful, I wanted to form my own and utilize my talents across multiple companies to help them all grow. That's amazing. And I mean, I love the entrepreneur spirit. So when I hear stories like that, it just it gets me fired up, right? Um, but obviously, you're entering a very, very new space um, in the sense that you know, no one really knows how to navigate that. And so you're kind of, you know, hopefully in a few years from now, looking back, you'll be one of these leading experts, right? Who started in the movement from the very beginning. What's been the most challenging thing to have to overcome just because of how new um, the cannabis industry is? Well, so that's the most exciting part about it is that it is so new and we're basically all, you know, forming it together. And I'd say the most challenging piece of it, um, when I first joined the industry, when I first started with Mission Dispensaries uh, back in 2019, one of my coworkers there said, whatever you, we do now is going to shape this industry and is going to affect the industry 30 years from now. So don't screw it up. <laughs> no pressure, right? No pressure. Right. And so... Um, that is, you know, the truth. Um, whatever we do here, and if you look back at liquor, um, when I worked in the liquor industry, we always looked back and said, you know, when, pro when we were coming out of prohibition, you know, how did that work? Yeah. And that's really what we're doing now is we're coming out of prohibition. 100%. And there's a lot of shame and stigma associated with the cannabis industry. And so, you know, having, you know, my entire life, you know, a lot of people used it in high school and college, as did I. 
And, um, you know, once we get out of college, we say, okay, we need a job, we need to have a family, we need to do all of those normal things. And so we walk away from it, because God forbid, we would not get a job because of a failed drug test. Yeah. And so um, there's a lot of um, people who have this view that cannabis is that that schedule one drug that it is addictive, it hurts people that it's dangerous. Um, and so really trying to change the minds of consumers and of the world is really very challenging. Can't imagine. Can't imagine. And one of the things, I mean, I guess I can just because of the stigmas that, you know, I have kept from people, you know, that I would smoke or that I was, you know, doing these things that I found benefit in, like almost being ashamed of the good that was coming from it. Right. Um, and so part of that was really taking this podcast on as a, as a way to, even in our first article in our magazine, was rebranding cannabis, right? The, the, mm -hmm. the changing of that perspective. What is it for you that when you do have these conversations, what's the biggest obstacle to, to you know, having that conversation or really changing someone's perspective that's so set in this mentality of, it's bad for you and it, it has a social impact that's bad and just keeps going, right? Like the ripple effect of bad. You can't change people's perspective. <laughs> well, I'm glad you said that. You know what? I, I wish we could. Um, it's funny because when uh, the village of Northbrook, which is where I live, um, was looking at the cannabis legislation when uh, we were going to go uh, recreational here in Illinois, uh, you know, what I loved about my own town was they really wanted to be on the forefront of the industry. And they were very progressive in their approach. Interesting. And, and this um, is as a government, you're saying, right? As a, yeah, as a wow. planning commission, as a board, um, I was really impressed by by Northbrook's stance, and it made me really, truly proud to live in a community that was so open. Yeah. But what was so interesting is that when they did the hearing, um, I remember driving up, and there was like I could not park anywhere near the um, the village hall. Whoa. Um, so many people had come out. And people had T-shirts made that said, you know, opt out. And I listened to everything everybody said. So, of course, the village let everybody speak about their view on cannabis. And the things I heard were so eye-opening. The, the misinformation, the, um, the, the unfounded fear. Um, for example, one woman got up and talked about how medical cannabis was just pills. And recreational cannabis was joints and vapes and edibles. And that's not true. Right. Cannabis is cannabis. Yeah, exactly. There's no like medical grade cannabis versus recreational grade cannabis. Recreational cannabis can be pills and medical cannabis can be edibles. Yeah. So um, there's no variation in it. And the fact that someone thought that and said that to an entire room full of people um, just shows how how the knowledge base just really isn't there. And then we had people who got up and said, you know, that's going to be too close to a daycare. <laughs> and I understand we do not want underage people walking into dispensaries, but I'm really not afraid about a four-year-old. <laughs> right. I mean, we are very careful in this industry of everything we do because it's so important that we do it all the right way. Yep. And so listening to everything everybody said, they all had a lot of misinformation. And so the only way I think you change their mind is not by actually changing their mind. It's by educating. Yeah. 
No, that's a great point. And it's about building community. And one of the things that I saw when I was visiting dispensaries and I would sit in lobbies and waiting rooms is I would hear the front desk person ask for someone's ID, for someone's email address, and they'd say, no, I don't want to give you my email address because I don't want my wife to know I was here. I don't mm. want my friends to ever find out. And you know, to me, that's so sad. These yeah. people are just trying to manage their pain, their anxiety, their, their whatever, whatever their need state is. They're trying to manage it their way and take their own wellness back. They shouldn't be ashamed of that. 100%, 100%. And as far as that education piece, like, I mean, I know you're doing, you know, some things already and, and, and it sounds like, you know, you're, you're involved in these panels and things, you know, mm-hmm. of that nature. But obviously those are, those are efforts that, you know, can't just be one person doing that. What do you see that is kind of where that needs to be or that knowledge needs to exist or how it needs to be disseminated and delivered uh, beyond just everywhere? Like as we start in this journey of educating people and changing that perspective, what are those things that we can be investing as an industry, as a community, as people who want to see uh, that narrative change for cannabis? The community really needs to come together. We all need to be in it together, helping each other and providing that cohesive message to the world, to the country. Um, it shouldn't be about whether you work for Cresco or for GTI or for any other cannabis company. You know, I work with Union Cannabis Group. It doesn't matter who you work for or work with. You know, it's incumbent upon all of us as a community to educate everyone around us. And it's to provide platforms for that that are accessible to the community. And so there's a lot of people, if you're afraid to give your email address in a dispensary, you're probably afraid to go to a conference. You're probably afraid to go to an educational event. Um, One of the, the best and worst things about COVID was that we brought everything to a virtual platform. And, you know, I don't think I've ever done so much Zoom in my entire life. And now everybody is used to those platforms Mm. and being able to provide webinars and podcasts and disseminate information that helps people understand what cannabis is, how it can help people, and why it can make the world a better place um, is really important and impactful for the community. And so by allowing people, by kind of meet, I would say by meeting people where they're at. I like that. Um, and helping them through it that way, it's, it's the best way to do it. And so when I worked for the dispensary company, one of the things I had to think about as a marketer is that all my traditional marketing channels are, are pretty much gone, aside from out of home. Um, and so social media, you can't do paid social. You can't do all the things that, you know, a food and beverage company can do, that even a liquor company can do, or, you know, any kind of other yeah. company can do, because that it's considered illegal. Federally, so Federally illegal. Right? Yeah. yeah. And so, and, and, you know, all of the social media platforms are very stringent on that. Mm. And so I had to think about, we, we're going to be on social media. It's important to, to, to be there and have a presence. But we're not going to sell stuff on social media. We're not going to promote product on social media. We're going to build community on it. And so the way we looked at it is we built a campaign called Wellness Your Way, Live Your Best Life. And we actually went out to our own community. Um, and the reason we did that was because as I walked out to talk to people in dispensaries, they all had these amazing stories about what brought them into cannabis. 
And some of them, you know, gave me shivers when I would hear about them. And so we went out to the community and said, hey, you know, tell us your story. Just send us a, you know, a video from your phone, nothing fancy. Tell us, you know, why you came into cannabis, what it means to you, what your story is. We'll pick five of you. We'll bring you to Chicago. We'll do an entire event. We'll do a video shoot, a photo shoot. And you essentially become ambassadors for our company. Yeah. And they're, you're, they're people that you could walk into one of the dispensaries and meet. Hmm. And the goal of that that platform was to not was to make sure that people didn't feel so alone in the world that they could look at someone and say, "Oh, she has autoimmune. I have autoimmune. Look, there's there's something I can do that that maybe would make it possible for me to live my life a little bit better." Yeah. She did it. Why can't I? Yeah. We had a woman with cerebral palsy. She, you know, was able to walk pretty well because of cannabis. Wow. And these stories were truly impactful, and we wanted to make sure we shared them. It's crazy, you know, to hear these stories of, of very real, and they're not uncommon. I mean, they're way more common than not of, of success stories found yeah. through cannabis. And, in, you know, to hear of, of these people in Northbrook wearing their shirts and, and just with misinformation, right? You know, ignorance is ignorance no matter what level it is and no matter what topic or whatever you're talking about. Do you think it's even fair to call cannabis at any level recreational than if it's always benefiting you because it seems almost like as a society we value stress so much that the idea of being high is actually like it's a higher state of consciousness it's, it's a higher state of being not stressed out that it, how could that not be seen as therapeutic or beneficial if it's lowering your stress so it's an interesting topic you bring up so um, one of the other challenges we find in the cannabis industry is data is not readily available. Understanding, you know, consumer dynamics isn't yeah, you know, right. path to purchase and all of that um, really isn't uh, readily available. We're starting to see um, some groups come up with some really amazing concepts like Headset, like Brightfield Group, like Mintel. At least they're getting some information out there. Uh, to the communities. But when I first entered the industry, it was even more nascent than it is now. <laughs> and we really didn't understand, you know, that consumer path to purchase. And so we talk about medical versus recreational. And that's really, you know, a medical card versus not having a medical card. Gotcha, gotcha. And so recreational is probably not the right word. Yeah. Um, but you talk about medical markets and rec markets, Illinois now being a rec market. No, right, right. Um, but um, it's interesting because when I built out what, so in consumer products, we talk about market structures. So when you think about, you know, a category and you want to know how a consumer shops the category, you can do it one of two ways. You can do a decision tree, consumer decision tree, where you ask a consumer, when you go to the store, what's the first thing you're thinking about? What's the second thing you're thinking about? And then you build out sort of their path to purchase. Mm -hmm. um, or you can do a market structure, which is correlations of consumer purchase data. And so it's it's how a consumer actually shops. I used to work a lot with 8451, which is a Kroger uh, shopper platform. And they always used to like to talk about how, you know, when you ask a consumer what they do, they'll tell you um, 
oh, I only eat healthy food. I only shop the perimeter of the store. Um, I only eat organic, non-GMO. And then you look at their basket and you see mac and cheese and (laughs) bagel bites and Cheez-Its. And not that those are bad products, but they are center store products. And so what people say they do and what they actually do are two totally different things. That's so funny. And so when I was trying to figure this out for the cannabis industry, and I was doing this for assortment and dispensaries to make sure that we could meet the needs of our our patients, um, I built it from a more medical perspective. So, of course, this was neither a decision tree nor a market structure because we didn't really have data or consumer panels. Um, But we thought about, you know, when a consumer is going to a dispensary, what's the first decision point? The first one was like, you know, really, are you a medical patient or are you utilizing it for other purposes? And so then when we built out the medical path to purchase, it was like the next decision point was, what are you trying to solve? So are you trying to improve your mood, uh, mitigate your anxiety, um, reduce pain, um, work on sleep, um, athletic recovery, or inflammation. Those were kind of what we what we termed as sort of those basic need states. Mm-hmm. And then from there, how do you want to solve that problem? Do you want to do use THC, CBD, or some combination of the two? So like a one-to-one, a two-to-one. And then the next decision point is how do you want to consume it? Do you want to smoke it? Do you want to eat it? Do you want to vape it? That's so interesting. It almost seems like just, I mean, I don't know. This is just my ignorance in it. But like the one thing I don't like about smoking cannabis is smoking, right? <laughs> but I don't do, I can't do edibles. I can't do those things. So, you know, from a, a smoking perspective, if you've never smoked, right? Like, but hey, I, I all those things first that came in, I need it for these reasons. And, yeah. you know, it doesn't matter. If, but that aversion to maybe smoking it for the first time, right? Like someone who never smoked cigarettes, never smoked mm-hmm. pot, never did anything. How much does that play a role into making that decision? Oh, a huge role. Yeah. But you also have to think from the medical <clears throat> side, um, and this is what's different from to the recreational side. So on the medical side, you're dealing with people who potentially are like truly in pain right, at that right, very right, moment. Right, right. And so you have to actually think about, you know, um, the rate in which they will feel relief. Right. And That's so That's a great point. You know, the the easiest way to get into the industry, you know, and start trying is obviously like an edible or even like a tincture, which is, you know, a dropper you mm-hmm, put on mm-hmm. your tongue. It's very approachable. It's very accessible. It's not very scary. Um, from the edible edible perspective, which is where we see a lot of consumers start, right. um, the negative to edibles is that the onset can be anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour and 15 <laughs> And so what I see a lot of consumers do is they'll take one. Yeah. And and if you're in acute pain, it's definitely not a good idea to take an edible. Right. Um, but they'll take one and then they'll, they won't feel anything for 20 minutes and then they'll take another one. And as my husband and I always talk about, two is too much. And it's not definitely not the way to start. Yeah. And so, um, you know, then all of a sudden they've had this negative experience yeah. with cannabis and they don't want to try it again because yeah. they've got paranoid or they couldn't move mm. or or whatever happened in that in that very moment. Um, it just leaves a bad taste in their mouth. It yeah. does. Yeah. Um, and so when you think about the medical patient, edibles in a lot of ways are probably not 
the best way to go, especially mm. if you're dealing if you're dealing with mood or anxiety, maybe that's okay. But if you're dealing with pain, it's I I would think that you would want a consumption method that would provide immediate relief. Yeah. So like a tincture is going to provide quicker relief. Yeah. Um, but smoking is still smoking gonna be... is going to provide more immediate relief. All yeah. of those things. And so you really, you know, it's incumbent upon uh, the bud tender or patient care consultant that you're dealing with at the dispensary to really understand, you know, why you're in there and what you're trying to solve so that you can get the right consumption method for you. And maybe that's a little scary if you're in smoking and you have not smoked before. Maybe you start with vaping or something like that. But um, it's really about educating that consumer there to make sure that they get what's right for them. On the recreational side, um, you know, it's interesting. Um, those need states still exist um, because they, those are just people who don't have medical cards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't necessarily mean they're stoners on the grassy knoll. Right, right. These are people who are still trying to solve something. Um, a lot might be mood or relaxation or, you know, mitigating their anxiety. Um, but what I would tell you on the recreational side is that they'll think about consumption method first. And so they'll their path to purchase will be, okay, I'm a recreational person. I, you know, I'm interested in edibles. And then maybe I want, you know, a THC edible, maybe I want a CBD or some combination of the two. And then I'm actually trying to solve this. Yeah, and see, that's honestly where I was coming from, because as you were saying, I'm thinking recreationally from that perspective then mm -hmm. of, of, yeah, because you're absolutely right. When you're a medical like patient, you're approaching it from the symptom standpoint, right, of trying to alleviate that. Um, I guess the other question I had was just, you know, in, in the industry itself, like kind of looking forward, right, mm -hmm. uh, of... Of all, you're doing a lot of things, not just that. One of the things you had mentioned was uh, these these dinners, right, or mm -hmm. infused dinners. How much do those things play a role um, in changing that perspective? But also, you know, just, I guess, two-sided question is, then what does that look like in the future as far as, you know, where your time and maybe even just kind of for the industry itself as it starts to shape? What do you think needs to happen or some of the things that need to happen to create that um, change in perception of what cannabis is? So, you know, the the cannabis-infused meals, I don't necessarily think that those are really going to change the perspective of consumers. I think those are nice ways to build community and bring people together and help share some of those experiences. And probably more for the people who are already consuming cannabis, right? Who are consuming it, who are in the industry. Yeah. Um, it's a great way to start you know, learning a little bit more. It's a fun, unique thing to do. You know, um, coming from the food and beverage side myself, um, you know, experiential dining is one of the hottest trends out there. So, you know, most for mo many years, all you did was you made a reservation, you went to the restaurant, you had dinner, you went home. Right. Now, a lot of restaurants, you buy tickets. Yep. And you buy the ticket and you go and, it, and it's an experience. Yep. Uh, there's a great restaurant um, called El Ideas. And mm -hmm. I, I took my husband there for an event and we bought tickets and we were able to walk around the kitchen. Philip, was his name? Philip something's a chef? Yeah, I don't remember offhand, but um, it was the most amazing yeah, meal no, ever. He's very talented. Um, but, you know, you could go and you could talk to the chefs in the kitchen and see what they were doing. Yeah. And you could talk to other patrons. It was a small group. Yep. And there's something 
amazing about building a community that way. Changes the meal, right? It does. It changes the whole dynamic. And um, it's fun. It's interesting. It's different. And that's what those infused meals for cannabis are as well. It's um, an more easily approachable way to try it out. It's a safer environment. Um, The chefs I know who do this um, do an amazing job of making sure that everybody feels safe and supported. They take care of people. Um, They're also very well educated on cannabis consumption. And so um, I think they do a really nice job. And, you know, one of the things we're, we're doing with Illinois Women in Cannabis, which is one of the most amazing groups in the country, for, for cannabis, um, and we're so lucky to have them right here in Illinois, um, is that we're doing our fall harvest event coming up, which is a lunch and learn series. So nice. um, we're actually doing some panels, we're doing some speaking engagements, and we're talking a lot about food and beverage and cannabis and how they come together. So we have a panel on cannabis and food and beverage, and we have you know, a few really great brands coming in like Lil Saints, like Mount Joy Beverages, uh, Kitchen Toke, um, who are going to come in and talk about cannabis in, in food and beverage. We have, you know, cannabis trends um, coming in. And then we do have the, um, what I call the on-premise side of the mm-hmm. equation. So that's, you know, cooking with cannabis. And uh, there'll be a whole panel on that as well. And um, and then I think the whole event is wrapping up with um, Mindy um, from... Mindy Saja, yeah. Yeah, yeah. who... Um, and she has her own edible. She does in a partnership, I believe, with Cresco. Oh, um, nice. Is that she's actually going to do a whole speaking um, engagement on that as well um, to talk about her brand. And she's actually a really great example of how, you know, a local chef was able to... Um, come up with a really great product and put her name on it and and do really well with it. That's amazing. And her product hits a really interesting demographic. Oh, it's yeah. actually an older demographic. Yep. <clears throat> no, yeah, absolutely. Well, those are all very, very, very exciting things. And, you know, I'm excited for you. I'm excited to hopefully be a part of it and join and participate, you know, in some of those talks. That'd be amazing to, to, to listen in on that. And um, if you're out there and you're listening and hear Lori's story and want to connect with her, you can do so by... Uh, reaching out on the form below, which she'll get directly and ask more information about these amazing, exciting things happening in the cannabis industry. But, you know, Laura, I just want to thank you for for coming in, sharing so much wisdom and insight uh, on the industry, and hopefully the positive direction is taken. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I love getting to speak about this and and want to make sure that, you know, everybody really understands all the amazing things that are happening in this space right now. Well, you've done a great job doing so. And so thank you. And can't wait for the next one. Me too. Thank you. Thank you.